Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. We're so glad you joined us today for Jesus the Healer. We invite you, get your Bible, get a notepad, get a pen, and follow along with us. Become a student while you're watching this broadcast today. We've been studying what we're calling healing school. And that is a study of the healings that happened under Jesus's earthly ministry. God wants you to know how to receive healing, but he also wants you to know how to minister healing to someone else. So that's why we're studying these together. Today, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 15, and we'll start reading in verse 21. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 21, follow along with us. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the, into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coasts. And she cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away. For she cries after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet or right to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. So let's go back to verse 21 together and let's let's study this verse by verse. It says, Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. Now, Tyre and Sidon were regions where the Gentiles lived. Jews didn't live there. So Gentiles are simply those who aren't Jews. Therefore, they had no covenant with God. Jews had a covenant with God. This was the distinguishing mark of this people. But Gentiles were those without a covenant with God. And verse 20, and Jesus went there where people didn't have a covenant. He's showing us, you won't be left without a covenant. (laughs) You won't be left apart from God. He came and visited showing this is what's coming to you. Amen. Verse 22, and behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coasts. So we know she's a Gentile. She has no covenant with God. Can I say this? She has no promise that anything belongs to her. But she doesn't wait for a promise. (laughs) She's got a big need. And so a woman came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Now, the Canaanites and the Gentiles, of course, they did not, and the Jews, they did not mix. They were considered unclean by the Jews. The Gentiles, Canaanites, they were considered unclean. So in the book of Mark, this same event is recorded. Mark tells us that she heard of Jesus. Well, she must have because she came. She must have heard that he was delivering people because he, she came for deliverance for her own daughter. 
she must have heard. It matters what you hear about Jesus. If you hear the wrong thing, you believe the wrong thing. If you hear that God puts sickness on people to punish them, that's the wrong thing and you'll believe it. If you hear that healing and deliverance and help is for certain people, but not for everyone, then you, that's the wrong thing. And you'll believe the wrong thing. The devil will say, well, you're one that it's not for. But if you hear the right thing, well, what's the right thing that Satan steals, kills and destroys? Jesus said this in John 10, 10. Satan comes, the thief comes, but for to steal, to kill and destroy. But I've come. Satan isn't the only one that came. But Jesus said, but I've come that you might have life. Anything associated with life, God is participating in. Anything that's associated with stealing, killing, destroying, God has no part of. God's not using sickness. Sickness is a thief. Sickness destroys. Sickness kills. God has no part of it. So when you hear the right thing, you believe the right thing. Amen. God is not putting bad things on people to teach them something. First of all, God doesn't have bad things. There's nothing bad in heaven. And I love something our spiritual father said, uh, Dad Hagen. He said, uh, God can't put bad things on you because he doesn't have any bad things in heaven. But he said, but if he put bad things on you, he'd have to steal it to put it on you. Because he doesn't have any. And God's not a thief, so he's not stealing. So just know you haven't been so bad that God's got to teach you something by making you hurt and making you suffer and killing things and stealing things from your life. He doesn't, that's not the way he operates. The way God deals with people is through his word, not through sickness. He doesn't deal with you through tragedy. Now, don't misunderstand me. You might learn something, but that's not God's way of teaching you. God's way of teaching is through his word. Yes. So when she heard about Jesus, she believed. She didn't doubt. We know she believed because she came. You know, you might tell somebody, maybe you said a family member, a loved one, and you say, you know, somebody got healed at my church. Some people say, well, I don't believe that. Well, see, you don't have to. But if you want your life blessed, you can decide because, you know, you don't want to doubt miracles because someday you're going to need one. You don't want to talk yourself out of miracles because I guarantee you, if you're on this earth, one day you're going to need a miracle. It might not be today. So don't doubt today what you may need for your future. Choose to believe. She chose to believe. There are people that are cynical. They're skeptics. And they choose to doubt and argue with everything they hear. That's a bad habit. That doesn't mean we're gullible and believe what isn't even believable. But the word is always believable. The word is always believable. So if it's in line with the word, we need to be quick to believe it, not quick to question it. Not quick to doubt it. And this is what this woman, she had such a big need in her life. When she just heard that there was help for her daughter, she grabbed hold of it. How do we know she did? Because she came and found Jesus. And she asked him for help. So this mother has a young daughter who is troubled by a devil. And I have to ask, what's going on in this woman's house that her little girl gets a devil? If wrong things are permitted in a home, it opens the door to the devil and invites him in. So there's been something wrong going on in this home 
around this little girl or she's been allowed to be around others that have wrong things happening that she even gets a devil. When you're living for God, you don't get a devil. When you're participating in wrong things, you give the devil access. So what was happening to this little girl in the home? That she gets a devil in this home. So this young girl was under the authority of her mother. So this mother now can come and get help on her behalf. You can't always help someone. Uh, you can't always step in on their behalf and get help for them. But when someone's under your authority, you can. And so, uh, at, and we know this as our children grow. And when they're growing up in a Christian home, as Christian parents, we can assist and get things for them with our faith. But as they grow, they become young adults. And they come into adulthood. They have to have their own faith. They can't live off mom and daddy's faith forever. So your faith might have worked for them for a time when they were young. But as they get older, they have to have their own faith. And that's what I've taught my children. You've got to have your own faith. I, you can't live off my faith forever. You can't borrow another man's faith forever. Amen. And so verse 22, she cried out to Jesus and she said, have mercy on me. Notice she doesn't even say have mercy on my daughter. She's saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. So she asked for mercy for herself to be delivered from the flow, for, to, be delivered from, uh, to be delivered from the power of the devil is a flow of the mercy of God. So whatever you have need of, mercy will address it all. There's in the flow of mercy is healing, deliverance, provision, everything you, salvation, everything you need is in the flow of mercy. Mercy carries all of these helps. And so she's asked for mercy for herself. So as I said, she didn't ask for mercy on her daughter. She asked for mercy on herself. Why? What a torment to a mother to see a child tormented, to see a child suffering and bound what a heartbreak for a parent. And so she asked for mercy for herself, but not only that, can you imagine what is being worked in that home? How that disrupts a home, how that troubles a home when someone is being over, uh, when they're being dominated and ruled by the devil. The torment that brings to the home and to people living in that home, it robs everyone in the home. So she says, have mercy on me. Why? She's living with this situation. You can't live with the devil and have peace. No. So she, she makes this request, have mercy on me. And then she addresses him this way. Oh Lord, thou son of David. Notice her wording, son of David. That is, uh, that, that's connected to a Jewish understanding. She's not a Jew. She's a Gentile. This is a phrase that doesn't belong in a Gentile's mouth. She's, he's not son of David to her. He's son of David to the Jew. Amen. So she is evidently calling him what she's heard a Jew call him. So what's that mean? She thinks there's a, there's a way I need to approach him and get his attention. So she's thinking she should call him what she thinks he, he wants to be called. Right. 
But Jesus doesn't want to hear what you think He wants to hear. He wants to hear what do you believe? What do you think? What's in your heart? So I say it this word this way. She's using borrowed words. She's borrowed this phrase from a Jew. They they're they don't mean anything to her. To, to say son of David, that doesn't mean anything to her. She's not a Jew. It doesn't mean the same thing to her as it does to a Jew. So notice that when she calls him, O Lord, son of David, notice the response she gets from him. He didn't respond. He answered her, not a word. Why? God doesn't want to hear from you what you think he wants to hear. He wants to hear from you what you believe, what what's in your heart, not what you think would please God, but really what is in your heart? He wants to hear from you. He doesn't want to hear practiced phrases. He doesn't want to hear practiced religious phrases. He wants to have a heart to heart fellowship with you. And when she comes with religious phrases that are practiced, he will not respond. And then she changes her approach. She goes over to the disciples and she asks them for attention. And then the disciples come to Jesus and says, send her away. She's crying after us. So she's persistent, isn't she? Well, you got to admire that. That persistence is a feature of faith. Persistence is a flow of faith. It's a feature that faith carries. So they said, send her away for she cries after us. Listen, Jesus isn't looking to send anyone away who comes to him. They just say, she, she doesn't think right. She doesn't talk right. She's a Gentile. None of this belongs to her. Get her away. Jesus wants to bring her into right thinking, right saying, right response. Why? Because he doesn't want to send her away empty handed. He wants her to have her miracle. But see, if people don't know him, they just think he's being harsh. No, he's bringing her into something. So, verse 24, Jesus answered and said, I'm not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Is that true? Absolutely, it's true. He is sent first to the Jew. Now, Jesus came to preach to the Jews first, but after he was to be crucified and raised from the dead, seated at the right hand of the Father, then another uh, assignment would come for the Jew to now go tell the Gentile that they come in on this covenant, that God is the Father of all men. Jew, Gentile, doesn't matter now. But Jesus is first dealing with the Jew. Why? To prepare them to go to the Gentile because they separated themselves from the Gentile. They wouldn't have any part. Now, God says God is letting them know through Jesus the covenant belongs to everyone. Amen. 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 So she doesn't know this because that time has not been enacted yet. At this time, he's just sent to the Jews. So he's telling her, this is my current assignment is to the Jew. And I love this verse 25. Now, he's not trying to get rid of her. He's bringing her into something. But he's doing it through a roundabout way, isn't he? Verse 25, Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Now look, this is her second approach to him. What was her first approach? She said, Have mercy on me. 
My daughter's grievously vexed of a devil. Oh, oh, David, oh, oh, Lord, son of David. Completely different wording than this time. So she makes another attempt. Now, this is what he's trying to get her to all the time. If she would have come this way first, she would have gotten a response. But she came practice borrowed words, religious phrases without her heart engaged. Her need was there, but not her heart engaged in her approach. This time she comes and she worships him. She didn't worship him first time. Now she worships. What's that? You're my help. I submit to you. She worships him and then she says, Lord, help me. She cuts away all the religious talk. She cuts away all the practiced words. She cuts away the phrases that don't belong to her. And she just, real simple, Lord, help me. When you don't know what to pray, this one always works. Lord, help me. She didn't know what else to say. She wasn't taught in Jewish etiquette. She didn't know what to do. But just in her sincerity, that's what he's wanting out of her, sincerity. And in her sincerity, she fell at his feet and worshiped. Now she gets his attention. And she says, Lord, help me. Notice three words to set her daughter's life different, on a different course. What a simple request. It's not long it's not wordy. It's She's not trying to oppress him. Just, Lord, help me. And you know what? He did. This prayer works. Verse 26, and he answered her. Now he's responding to her for the first time. He's responding to her. And uh, this he gives her a response the, on, the casual onlooker might not expect. He said, it's not right to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. People listening might say, can you believe the preacher said that to her? <laughs> What's he trying to do? He's trying to get her into a place of receiving her miracle. Amen. Now, in this passage, we see this. He said, it's not right to take the children's bread. What's the children's bread? Deliverance. This is what she's asking for. Healing. Yes. Miracles. Yes. Anything you have need of, he said, it's not right to take the children's bread and to give it to somebody else. It's not right for me to take what belongs to my children and rob them to give it to you. Amen. Well, we know this. Bread is a staple at most meals. You've got some form of bread, whether it's a roll or a loaf of bread, whatever. It's a staple. Jesus saying healing is a staple in the life of my children. It belongs to them every day. Every day it belongs on, their, on the table of their life. Healing belongs to them. It's a staple in their life. You know, Psalm 23 says this, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Yes, there are enemies present on this earth. He's talking about the earth. There's enemies present on this earth. But don't be occupied with them because he provided a table. What's on the table? The bread of healing's on the table. Jesus already said that this, this is bread that belongs to my children, the, the bread of deliverance, the bread of healing. The, the, the enemies are present, but they're not seated at the table with us. Why? They're not invited. There is no chair for them. No demon has a chair in the presence. No demon has a chair. Satan wanted a chair, tried to get God's chair. 
It cost him everything. You're not getting my chair. Well, God, we've been raised and seated with Christ in heavenly places. We have a chair at the table of God's provision. Amen. So the enemy who has no chair is present. And what does he try to do? He tries to get our attention off our table. Why? Because everything we need, all the provision, all the healing, everything we need, all the victory, all the, all the deliverance, everything we need is at the table, the table of God's word spread before it. The table of God's word, it all, it contains it all. And we can go anytime we want to the table of his word and eat. We can just keep full, just fill up, just fill up. And you can't overeat at this table. Why? It all belongs to us. Go to the table of God's word and get your fill. Fill up. And no devil can partake. No devil can partake. I said no devil can partake. They're present, but they can't, they're not partakers at the table of God. So the devil seeks to get our attention. If the devil can get you to look back away from the table and look at what the devil's doing, then he can rob you from partaking of what's on the table. But just don't even pay any attention. Don't even pay any attention. Just keep your back to him. Amen. Amen. This is what faith does. It holds its attention on what God has provided in the table of his word. That's what faith does. Yes, we know the enemy's present. Yes, we know threats. Yes, we know the enemy suggests things, but we don't care. We don't give them our attention because our attention is holy on the table of God's word, of what God has said. Now, Jesus said to her, it's not right to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. Now, notice Gentiles were called dogs by the Jews. So Christ was merely using a common speech of that day. And in this... Uh, history tells us that dogs were not cared for in the East when they were grown, signifying they had no one over them. They had no one to count on after they were grown. That's what a Gentile, no one caring for them, no covenant, no one over them, no one caring for them since they had no covenant with God. So this was not a term to offend her. It was merely expressing that she is like a dog no caretaker. No caretaker. She is without a covenant. Notice this. God is good all the time. Amen. For the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever is what the word says. For the Lord is good. He's good. He can't be anything but good. He can't be anything but good. So when Jesus was talking to this woman, he was being good to her. When he said, it's not right to take what belongs to my children and give it to someone who has no uh, covenant with me. He's not being mean to her. He's being good to her. Why? He's bringing her into a receiving of what others that are Gentiles are not receiving. He wants her to receive. Why? Because everyone who comes, he wants them to receive. Hallelujah. So Jesus was being good to her. Don't take offense. (laughs) If God corrects, Jesus is really speaking in very plain terms to her. But she didn't take offense, did she? I love what she said in verse 27 when he said, it's not right to take children's bread and cast it to dogs. In verse 27, she says, truth, Lord. Truth, Lord. I know I'm not one of your children. 
I know I have no covenant with God. I know that we're looked down upon by the Jews. Truth, Lord, she didn't argue with it. See, if you're going to argue with God, you're going to dismiss yourself from something good. But she didn't argue. She didn't get offended, did she? I love, she just came at it with a different approach. She said, the dogs get the crumbs from under the table. In other words, I'm not asking you to take what belongs to your children and give me their portion, what they're careless with what they let fall, what they don't take advantage of, what they just dismiss from their life. Give me the crumb of that. This woman will not give up. I love a mama will not give up on a child. A good mama won't give up on a child. She won't give up. And no matter what he says, she's got another angle. I love it. He wasn't trying to he wasn't trying to dismiss her from her miracle. He was trying to get her to the place of receiving when no other Gentiles were receiving right. miracles. Yes. She did not take offense. Right. Let me say this. She didn't try to save her pride. Well, you're not going to call me a dog and walk away. If she walks away, so does, her, so does the miracle. She loses a miracle. If people are going to hold to their pride, it can cost them their miracle. Don't hold to your pride. If God says correct something, correct something. He's not trying to, he's not trying to humiliate you. He's not trying to be anything but good to you. Amen. If you want help from God, we have to get rid of offense. We don't get offended with him. You know, many people are offended with God. They think God didn't treat me right. God didn't do this. God didn't do that. When really it's because we didn't learn God. We didn't learn how he works. We didn't learn his word. We didn't learn what he says and hold to what he says. We took our own system of believing and wanted him to meet us on our system instead of us go to his system of believing. God has always been good. Never be offended with God. God loves you. God's never been anything but good. Amen. God has never failed any man, but many men have failed God. Amen. The word says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. When we don't have knowledge of how God's work of how God works, that lack of knowledge robs from us, not God. Amen. Praise the Lord. So she wouldn't be discouraged. She said, even the dogs get the crumbs under the table. So she's saying this, a crumb of your power is enough for my daughter. Now that's faith. You don't even have to give me a whole slice of bread, just a crumb. A crumb of God's power is enough for her situation. She believes God, doesn't she? She believes in God's ability. Hallelujah. And then verse 28. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is your faith. See, first he wouldn't even answer. But now what did he do? What in this process did he do? He brought her to great faith. That was his intent all along. Bring her into great faith. And then he said, be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. What do we know about great faith? Great faith won't get offended. Great faith won't protect its pride. It's personal pride. Great faith won't quit. She just kept going. She didn't start out with great faith, but because of his goodness of working with her and working with her, she ended up with great faith. Amen. Her daughter was set free because she had a mama that wouldn't quit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.